uh, <clears throat> it's Alex. <clears throat> Is anyone even listening? I was looking at the console here, and I think there's a way I can record a message in the event of, uh, well, if something should happen. There's sort of a, a tape deck here where I, I think I can <clears throat> record something. <clears throat> anyway, while, while he's gone, I thought we could talk. Just you and I. You know, the way we used to. Hello, hello, hello. <coughs> Is there anybody out there? <coughs> Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone at all? <sighs> Snap out of it, Alex. God damn. You're a professional. Come on. Okay, okay. Good evening, fellow survivors, and welcome back to CJKX FM. I'm your host, it's Alex. <laughs> Have you missed me? <sighs> Matt left this morning. He said he was going to get more supplies. We ran out of antibiotics a couple days ago. My arm. <sighs> Matt wrapped it. I don't know when Matt is coming back, or, or if he's coming back. Uh, he said he would get us some food. We've been out for a, a while now. I'm not sure if I'd be able to eat anyway with the way I'm feeling. But Matt says it's important to keep our strength up, and the only way to do that is with food and water and antibiotics. <coughs> But uh, he's gone a while, and I'm, I'm not sure I have the strength to go find food and water for myself if he decides not to come back. We have so many tapes left to listen to, but I'm not sure I'll get through them all with you. I, I apologize. <coughs> Instead of listening to Sarah's found recordings, I'd like to play you some of Matt's excerpts before he returns. Some of them... Maybe I'm hallucinating. <coughs> but instead, let's listen to the excerpts from Matt. Maybe someone will hear this and, and tell me that they're just silly ghost stories. Not real. Just fairy tales. I like fairy tales. Not these stories, though. Hold on, guys. I'll, I'll play you these now. What did you want me to say? Can you tell me about your ambulance, about the days immediately following the lockdown? I was on a call, a house call, wellness check. What's a wellness check? Hmm, how can I describe it? It's a thing you do when, hmm, when there's a concern that a family or a household is dysfunctional. Say a little old lady hasn't been seen or heard from in a while. The neighbors can call into the health services and ask for someone to go knock on the door of the old lady to make sure she's, you know, all right. Ah, all right. I understand. So you were called to make sure someone hadn't fallen and needed assistance? No. But I thought... Yeah, that's what a wellness check was, typically, before the lockdown. 
Around the time of the pandemic, when the infection was becoming more common, the wellness checks were a little different. There were more domestic disturbances, more violence, more families locking other family members in basements or attics in an attempt to stay away from each other. Why? Because people weren't inherently good anymore. They were different. You mean like the guy that cut my arm in the pharmacy? Yeah, people were a little more like that. A little more on edge. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to describe it. That was back when I was still myself. What do you mean? Never mind. But- I said never mind! Sorry. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. I'm the same old me that I always was. Anyway, there was a wellness check. My partner, David, and I, we'd been sleeping at the ambulance base that weekend so we could be closer to the action. You know, so we could get to people faster if they needed us. We were super overworked, so the team used to take turns sleeping in shifts at the base. As the weeks progressed, though, less and less people would show up to work. So the few of us that were still remaining, we worked more and more days in-house. Why weren't people coming into work? Why weren't they showing up? Why do you think? So it's... it's really been quite grim out there for a while. Yeah. I lost my partner on our last call. That wellness check, you mean? Yes. It's... it's kind of hard to talk about, but ever since then I've been trying to keep track of what causes the disease, the weird personality changes that go with it. I'd like to know how to stop it or prevent it. Something. You mentioned the personality change before. I, I think Sarah did, also. Yeah, there seems to be a few different levels, or stages, I guess, to the infection. The first one is the personality changes. And after that? You really don't want to know. I'd like to. I have a better idea of what's going on out there. For journalism. Well, all I can tell you is that sometimes on those wellness checks, the family members would have locked a family member in an isolated part of the house. That's what the major suggested families do instead of continuing to expose themselves to someone who may be contagious. The family members that were isolated changed, depending on how long they were locked away. In the early stages, they seemed and acted pretty normal, you know? In the beginning, I had a hard time understanding why the families would put that person away. A part of me thought it was just hysteria or something. I don't know. But the families would tell us stories of things the infected person had done before they locked them in the basement or whatever. Really weird stories. Like what? Uh, there was... At one point, we had taken a body of an elderly lady out of an apartment building. She was missing her arm. It looked like it had been torn off. But I mean, the only person that lady had spent time with was her husband, and he didn't look like he was strong enough to cut open a bag of frozen peas, much less rip an arm off his wife. That was... That sounds horrifying. Yeah, it was. But we didn't have any idea back in the early days of the pandemic. We didn't have a clue. We couldn't even prepare ourselves for the mess we were getting ourselves into. <coughs> the rest of that excerpt is contaminated. I was trying to hide the fact that I was recording. Sometimes Matt has these mood shifts. I don't know if you picked up on that, but they're quite terrifying. Suspicious. If you haven't noticed, I'm beginning to be apprehensive about my guest. <coughs> he was out in the world, possibly exposed for a very long time. He's been nothing but kind to me since he's arrived. 
He shared his food until we ran out. He's cleaned and wrapped my arm every day, but there's something about him that... <sighs> I'm not sure. Oh. Oh. But is he really caring for me? <coughs> or is he... Infected? <sighs> I listen ahead through many of Sarah's recordings. There is one in which she's walking her dog and she came across a sick person. Let me see if I can play it for you before Matt comes back. I, I don't want him to know that I've heard this. <clears throat> I know my situation is quite dire and we talk a lot about some gruesome things, especially as of late, mainly involving my arm, but this recording is of Sarah's first-hand experience watching someone turn into a creature that's worse than any psychopath personality. If you want to skip this recording, please do so. There is death and it's it's very upsetting but i think it's important <coughs> for the sake of honesty and journalism i'm going to play it hey mike i went for a walk today i don't know if i ever told you but there's a building not that far down the road from where I am where people go um, I guess if they can't take care of themselves anyway I was walking and I saw a service person and the service person was outside um, smoking and so I just said hello and this lady she said aren't you one of the residents and I said uh <coughs> sorry that the air quality is quite poor ever since the heat wave stopped. It's weird. Anyway, allergies notwithstanding, um, the service lady, she said, aren't you one of the residents? And I said, yeah, just, it's easier to just say yes. And she said, I've got a lady inside and her husband is dying. Um, her family can't get here to be with them because of the pandemic so she was like if you're not busy would you mind going in and sitting with this lady while her husband dies <laughs> which is a super weird thing to be asked to do but like who am I to say no you know so I went into this building and the building looks like all hospitals more or less just a little bit nicer it was probably a private care place or something and this lady, she wasn't very old, maybe in her 60s, she was sat down next to this guy who I assume was her husband. He was intubated, so he had a breathing tube down. He had um, a lot of medications going where I work. We would call it rocket fuel. Um, those are all IV medications that are all pretty much just to keep the blood pressure high enough that your brain can be perfusing. Anyway, despite rocket fuel. This person's blood pressure was in the 50s, 40s, and the heart rhythm that we were seeing on the monitor was the sort of rhythm that you see very shortly before somebody dies, but it's it's like they're already dead, but you're just seeing the flow of the rocket fuel going through their heart. <laughs> the ventilator was breathing for this person, and this lady was just sat there, and she was just holding his hand. His hands were black, and I said, hello, I'm Sarah, and she said, hi, and I said, uh, can I come sit with you for a little while? And she said, yeah, that would be nice. So we sat for a while and we listened to the respirator with its 
kind of steady. Kind of like the above ground version of the sound that surrounds you when you scuba dive. And um, like from my perspective, this guy is probably already dead. But she was still holding his hand, and I mean, who, like, I don't, I don't know these people, so who am I to say anything? So I just kind of sat there. She said, do you think we'll know when, when he passes? And I said, a lot of the numbers that we're looking at, I think, are, are just the computers. And she said, well, how do you know he has a heartbeat? And I said, I'm not sure he does. And I leaned over her and I felt his wrist to feel for a pulse. And there was nothing. And his hands were cold and dark and black, which kind of happens when you use a lot of rocket fuel to get someone's blood pressure pumping centrally. They lose their circulation peripherally. Um, anyway, so she kind of nodded and, and I said to her, you know, the machines aren't doing anything now. We can turn them off. And she said, no, I don't want to do that because that means I'm giving up. And I tried to explain, I don't think that you've given up. I think that this is the end result of whatever illness it was that your husband had. And and he knows you're here. Um, but right now we're we're just seeing technology move air in and out of his lungs it's it's not him breathing eventually she she said okay and um the nurse came in and turned off all the machines and that rhythmic the sound of the respirator ventilating someone's lungs that stopped so we sat for a little while, and she told me some stories about her husband and how he loved the forest. And I told her one time I had a patient that told me when he briefly died, he um, he thought that he went to a really old forest. And she said, my husband would like that a lot. And I said, he looks very peaceful. <laughs> we sat in silence for a while because there was no more sounds from machines. And as we sat in silence, she was sitting and holding his hand and kind of tracing her thumb back and forth on the back of his hand. His fingers twitched, <laughs> and then they twitched again. And then suddenly he took a, a breath, like he'd been holding his breath at the bottom of an ocean. His <gasps> and his eyes opened, but they were gray, pearly kind of like he couldn't see really he still had pupils and stuff and an iris and like you know the colors but they were blanched and he looked around but didn't not like he could see anything he was just looking and this lady she thought it was a miracle and said his name and you know she got excited and everything and I am not used to seeing people come back from the dead after not breathing or having their heartbeat for 20 minutes and I really, like, he wasn't... You're gonna think that I'm crazy. <laughs> when his eyes stopped scanning and they saw her and, and she saw him and and she was so excited that this person was, I guess, alive again or resurrected. And I, I had a sinking feeling that something bad was happening, even though she 
thought it was a miracle, you know. And I just said, how did he die? Um, and she didn't, the lady didn't answer me, but the nurse had heard the commotion. And so the nurse came in and the nurse was also shocked, but not in a happy way, more in a terrified, oh my God kind of way. And I said, what did he die of to the nurse? And the nurse said he was a patient of the pandemic. Not had a lot of experience watching people die from whatever this infection is. But the nurse, as he moved and breathed this agonal breathing, she grabbed my arm and she said, we have to leave. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, again, never seen a person come back to life. But clearly this wasn't something to celebrate, according to the nurse. And she's like, we have to go now. But the lady, the wife, she was still so happy and she wasn't paying attention to us anymore. And she had leaned in to, I guess, kiss her husband. And um, as she leaned in, all of a sudden this patient, he arched his neck and he arched his back. And then all of a sudden his mouth unhinged like a, like a snake. Um, snakes unhinge the joints in their jaws both on the upper and the lower that's why their mouths get so big when they eat antelope uh, and anyway he unhinged his jaws and he lunged into his wife and into the side of her face and her ear and her neck and bit he ripped and she immediately of course went from elated to screaming to this guttural um, drowning sound and her blood went everywhere and it spattered all over me, it spattered all over the nurse and, and the nurse said, now we have to go, we have to go now and she grabbed my arm and started pulling so I went with her because the, um, what the fuck just happened <laughs> and we ran and we ran and I slammed through the, the door, the door was a push door I ran and I ran and I all I could hear was this choking of somebody drowning in their own blood and this hissing hyena laugh coming from the patient. And I ran, and I, I don't know where the nurse went. She ran uh, into her car. She went to her car, um, and I ran as fast as I could back to Rapture because it's just down the road, and I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't even take the elevator. I just took the stairs because the fire exit was closer than the main entrance, and I just I wanted to get away from whatever just happened. I ran up the five flights, and I came into my room, and I locked my door in the apartment, of course, and, and then I came here, and I've been sitting here. And I watched the red sun go down over the amber sky. The orange moon came up, so I guess it's been hours that I've just been sitting here processing. I don't know. I don't know what I saw. But I didn't imagine it because the nurse saw it too. And I don't know what's going on anymore. But I don't think I'll be leaving the apartment for a while until I figure this out. So that's what we're dealing with outside these walls. I'm not prepared for this. I don't think anyone in their right mind could be, but in the recording, Sarah mentioned an abnormal laugh the patient made. She said it sounded like a hyena. Matt has a laugh that could easily be described in the same manner. So what do I do? I, I feel so terrible, and 
I know my arm is the crux of the issue, but regardless, I, I can't leave this building. I, I, I don't, I don't know what antibiotics to use, and I don't have the strength anymore to fend for myself. I, I, feel, I feel like I'm trapped. But, but maybe I'm imagining things. <coughs> maybe I shouldn't be listening to Sarah's recordings. Maybe in my fever state, I'm unable to distinguish between what's real and what's merely delirious hallucination. I, I, I'm sending out this message. Out into the airways, hoping that someone is listening and confirm my suspicions of Mr. Crawford. I, I really. Hey, Alex. Sorry, oh, oh, oh. It's it's Matt. It's Matt. Hold on. Oh. It's been a crazy day out on the open. I'll leave this on. But I found some food and some apple juice. There wasn't any water left anywhere as I checked, but there was some rubbing alcohol and a big unopened bottle of chlorhexidine that had rolled under the seat of the ambulance. Oh my God, Alex! You look terrible. Holy shit, what's going on? Let me check. You're burning up. Holy cow, how are you even walking? I think you're septic. Did did you find any more antibiotics? No, I'm really sorry, man, but there's no antibiotics left. So, so what does that mean? Well, Matt. I know you're not going to like this idea, Matt, but... Matt, what, what is that? It's, uh, it's an exacto commercial-grade heavy-duty paper trimmer. And why, why did you bring it back here? I think we need to talk about... No. Amputation. No. 